for me, being a mother made me more fearless, I think. I was fearlessly pursuing what I wanted to do because I want to create a world, a society that I want my children to thrive in. Welcome to Voice in Education, the podcast. I'm Kathleen Kushney, founder of Voice in Education, a senior leader in education, trainer and coach. My mission is to help new leaders and teachers aspiring to leadership become confident in their ability to lead others successfully. Whether you're a new or aspiring leader, this podcast will help you to become confident in your ability to lead others successfully. We discuss key themes in education and personal development and how this can impact educational leadership. Let's move that needle from confusion and overwhelm to clarity and inspiration. This series is a collaboration with the MTPT project, Maternity Teacher, Paternity Teacher. All known episodes of the Motherhood and Leadership series are sponsored by Teach First Networks. Find out details about all the networks on offer at www.teachfirst.org.uk forward slash networks. So for our last conversation of this wonderful series, I'm in conversation with Bar Hersey. She is the mother of four who currently works as an assistant principal in an inner London school. She is responsible for Raise Entertainment, Key Stage 4, Pastoral and DEI. Outside of the classroom, Bar's advocacy and activism has helped close the attainment gap and improve the home and school relationship of her local Somali community. So for the last conversation, I'm really honoured to be talking to you, Bar. And so welcome. Thank you for joining today. Thank you for having me, Kay. It's an honour to be asked, actually. So thank you. No problem at all. And so for all the other conversations, we've been asking leaders and mothers to share a quote that really resonates with them, whether it's to do with motherhood, leadership or both. So have you got your quote to share with us? Yeah, I do. And in in doing my research, well, searching around for a quote that resonates with me, and I figured in honor of the motherhood and leadership series, this was quite fitting. It states, there is no greater, greater name for a leader than a mother or a father. There is no leadership more important than parenthood. And the reason for me that resonated with me is because for me, motherhood is leadership. If you think about it, we lead little human beings, we nurture them, we see their potential. Every day we work hard to build that relationship with them, to build a strong team as a family because a family is a team. We, we work hard and loving our family, creating a loving home, and we try our best to guide them, inspire them. And these are all the things that we do as leaders when we work with, with older human beings. So that's why that resonated with me. I figured for me, motherhood is definitely leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no, yes, I agree. I think that's full stop is needed there (laughs) and and just move on because there's nothing to debate to continue at at all. So tell us then about your leadership so far. What's your story? My leadership journey. So it's interesting because I think, I, it's often we talk about leaders and we think about what's a leader and people don't often tell you like when you're in your classroom, you are a leader. So you think I'm a classroom teacher, but I'm not a leader. But I think it's really important to to always remind teachers that they're leaders in their classroom. So you don't have to wait to be a middle leader or a senior leader to consider yourself a leader. And I think that's really, really important. Uh, My leadership journey for me started if we're talking about official leadership middle leadership and then senior leadership is that I started as a head of department I worked part-time as a head of department I trained I'll probably go back a little bit and say I trained to be a teacher quite late in life so teaching is my second career I entered the profession at the age of 31 that's when I started training and so I trained part-time and the reason why I, p- I trained part-time is because at that time I had three young children, all at the, under the age of six. So I had taken a gap year of five years to look after my two elders, which are literally, I call them my twins, because they are 13 months apart. 
And at that time, I felt like being at home would be more productive for me as a parent because when I looked at how expensive childcare cost was, I it just wasn't feasible for me to be able to pay that for two young children and start be at the starting of my career. So I took a gap year of five years. And then my being a mother changed me, changed my purpose because I worked in HR. And so when I had children... I felt like HR wasn't a profession I was no longer interested in. So I remember looking around and thinking about, okay, I'm in this, like this path, that cross path of where I want to go. And at that point, it was a perfect time for me to pivot, to find something that fits my newfound purpose as a mother. And so teaching just came sort of naturally came and I thought, okay, I want to explore this. And so I did, I explored it. I worked for about, say about a year at least maybe a bit longer I went back to my old secondary school and I volunteered two hours a week um, because I could do that at that time it was something that my mom could look after my two little ones my husband was at work so I volunteered for an afternoon for about two lessons once a week and in secondary school and I absolutely loved it I loved it I did that for a little while then I thought okay I can do teaching and then I remember my, I told my children's um, head teacher that I wanted to go into teaching. And that's what I was thinking of doing a GTP at the time, a graduate training program. And she was like, oh, no, no, we need you in primary. Come, train in primary. Then I thought, oh, I'm not sure about this. So I spent some time in primary school. I volunteered a little bit of time there just to see how it felt like. And Kay, I did not like it. And maybe it's because I had my own little children, tiny children at the time. I just, it didn't, I was like, no, I can't do this. I cannot go home and deal with like three-year-olds, five-year-olds, and then, and then come back here and do that again. So I thought, no, I'm going to do secondary. So I did. I trained part-time um, because it fitted and suited my family, my, my own family uh, sort of dynamics and, and the needs of my family and my needs as, as a person, as a parent. I trained part-time, which meant that it took longer, slightly longer than others. So it took me about a year and a half to train which was fine. It gave me the time I needed to do it properly because that was really important for me. I didn't want to, I wanted to excel at being a mum, but I also was hungry for me to start that career. So doing it part-time allowed me to do both relatively well. Um, So I did that. And then I remember when I did my last observation, because, you know, I'm quite competitive and I take everything seriously. Like I think most mothers do and we want to excel and want to do it properly. I remember doing it and then the the gentleman that came to see my observation for the university I was attached to at the time, I'd said, oh my God, you know, an outstanding lesson. It was quite, it was praising me. And my mentor at the time was really proud. And she said to him, um, and she did us all the three young children at the age of, under the age of six. And I didn't realize how much of an accomplishment that was. And I later in life, I thought, oh God, yeah, that was a massive accomplishment. That's probably one of the hardest things I did, train with three young children at the age of six. So I did that part-time. I worked for most of my career part-time because for me, it suited my, my, my home, my family, my balance, my sanity, something I wanted to, to maintain. So I worked part-time for most of my career. I then entered middle leadership. Again, worked part-time as a middle leader, as a head of department. I only started working full-time in the past four years. Um, the first six years of my career, I worked part-time. And so the last four years of my career, I worked full-time. And that's only because my children are slightly older and um, I felt that I could do that. And so my journey as my leadership journey has been one of where I'm always learning, always juggling, always striving. And one that's been filled with support systems, which made my life a lot easier and so, and it's been one of me always being outside of my comfort zone, always challenging myself. And in that time, inspiring those around me, um, whether it's my children, my nieces and nephews, who have some now have gone into teaching, people in my local community, just people I work with. And often I get, I can't believe you're doing this with four young children. I can't believe you're doing this with four young children. Because now I've added to that lovely family of three and now there's four children in my family. So... Yeah, so just my leadership journey has been one of I'm always just trying and striving and trying to do my best to give back to, you know, to the community, to the young people I work with and to give back to myself as a woman, to always make sure that I'm always creating my own path, something that I want to achieve and make an impact in the world. 
in, in a way that I know I can do it using my experiences and my passion and my purpose. So yeah, it's one that's, that's, I think I'm looking forward to going, investing quite a lot of time in, in my leadership journey. And I think that's really, really important to invest time and money in your leadership journey. Wow. So you've mentioned so much there. It's like a meaty, juicy burger that you've just delivered. Yeah, you should not ask about it. on forever and ever. <laughs> no, it's great. We have stories in us. I mean, we can talk so much about our life stories. Amazing. Well, let's unpack that leadership burger then. So you've mentioned three words there, learning, juggling and striving. Well, let's talk about because I think one of the key things that mothers do really easily is the juggling. That's just a given. It's almost like it's a prerequisite to being a mother. You just need to know how to juggle, right? So let's put that one to a side. Let's talk about the learning and why that's important. Why would you say the learning is so important in terms of leadership as well as being a mother? Why is that so important? I think Similar to being a parent for me, being a mother, I think leading is probably one of the most important role um, that one can embark on. So I think it's really important that because we're given a title doesn't mean that we actually know what we're doing all the time and we don't know what we're human beings. So for me, it's important that I'm always learning. So I'm always finding opportunities to be coached by somebody to be mentored by someone, to find a sponsor, a champion, someone to help me because I know it's a great responsibility to lead others. And I know, although I have the skills and I've developed them over the years, I could always do something better. And it's not something that I can do on my own. So I think it's important. And we are lifelong learners. I mean, we are educators so we are, should always be open to that because the damage that you could cause, similarly as a parent, when you're not open to learning and finding out about the best way to mother a child or the best way to be a parent, I think that's the same for when you're leading human beings. You can make, you could really do some serious damage if you are unaware of your own journey and what type of leader you want to be. So I think for me, learning, it's important because I have to be intentional and make a conscious decision about the type of leader I want to be, the impact I want to make in regards to the people I lead, the institutions I work with, the young people I work with, the communities I am part of, I impact, I am you know, proud to be part of. So all those things would require me to, to be uncomfortable and to learn because it's the only way I can make, to leave a good legacy behind, to be... And I often talk about, we talk about being, leaving legacies and we talk about what does that legacy look like? And it's all, the older you get, you really do start thinking about what your legacy is going to be. And so I've hit 40 and I, I'm really thinking about what my legacy is going to be. And also I want to be a great ancestor. I want to be leaving behind, not my own children, but also those that are in my lineage, but also those that are in my community because I, I am... I'm an immigrant in this country. I mean, now this is where I've lived most of my life, but I'm always going to be an alien in this country because it's I'm someone who's come from another land, who this is my adopted land I love, but also want to make sure those that come after me, those that come alongside me, the next generations have it much easier to navigate than maybe I did coming in to, you know, to the systems that I'm, I'm part of. And I'm responsible to make sure those systems are better. And the only way to do that is to learn. Mm, very, very powerful. The only ways to do that is to learn. But you also mentioned the part about the damage that you can do. And I like the parallel that you made, you know, to motherhood. We're really conscious about that because it's our children, you know, our offsprings are very particular about the words that we use, the way that we lead, what we model. But I think it's such an important point that you made about just like the damage that we could potentially do through all of those things that we're doing, language and the modeling and so on. We can also do that in our leadership. So with that in mind, can you just kind of speak to me about how you do lead others because I know you do so much in your community and you are such a great model how I mean it's, it's quite a kind of a loaded question but 
kind of speak to that. Well, how do you lead others? I'd like to say that I lead others through my relationships with them. So I think we all know that leadership is about relationship. I mean, you can't lead without building a relationship. And so it has to be for me through creating a relationship where it's, there's trust, where there's openness, where there is integrity, where trying, and I, this is something I'm always going to work on, trying my best to let go of ego and work with, with the people and meeting them where they act. Because that's another thing, part of my journey is remembering that different people are different places and learning to meet people where they act and where you find them. Because often we have expectations of people where we think they should be. And so making sure we meet people where we act, because that's, again, that's going to probably be the best, most conducive and positive relationship that you can have with those that you lead. And also to make sure as a leader that it's, it's not about me, it's about those that I'm leading. So making sure that you identify the strength of those people, work with their strength, find out what they are, what they're good at, helping them and being open to have really honest and bold conversations. I'm from a culture where having bold and honest conversation is it's normal. Isn't it? It's something we often do. And to be fair, that gets me into trouble often because I, we're raised with just saying, you know, being honest about how we feel and see things. And sometimes you'll find that in some cultures or some, some with some individuals, that's not how they do it. And that's not how they, that's not the most conducive things for them. That's not the most positive way of doing it. So it's about finding different ways of doing that. And that's part of my own leadership journey and identifying what works for different individuals in my team. And when it's, it doesn't work, it's not working and to get the help. So to say to my coach, how do I do this? Because this isn't working and, and being allowed to do that and say, you know what, I got this wrong. I'm sorry. I'm going to try a different route. And, and so that I hope for me is through, through that relationship, that trust, that integrity, that if we get it wrong, it's okay. We start again and, and we, we do, we do what we, what we all can do the best way possible and working together as a team because it is about team days. I'd love to say sometimes I know people that we lead make us look really, really good because sometimes they know more than you. You just let them do their thing and just trust them to be able to do that. And sometimes you need to guide them. Sometimes you need to support them. And it's identifying those different needs for different individuals and different teams that you may lead. I, I, you know, I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. There's just so much in there. And what I wanted to kind of pick up is the the part that you mentioned about almost like the cultural differences. You you can just say what you think in your culture. You just say what you think and, it, and, it, and it's fine. But having those difficult conversations, which people find difficult anyway, how, because having difficult conversation is difficult, obviously, how did you navigate trying to, change or amends the way that you delivered things in those conversations how did you navigate that because that's quite quite a difficult thing to do to you are a certain way naturally and then having to adapt that depending on who you're talking to because of their understanding on how you may be perceived so how how if you've got an advice of how you did that and how it's quite a difficult one actually you know what I to be honest, it's something I'm always working on and always trying to work on. I'm quite conscious of because I found that if I do it with love, it's easier. I find that I need to build the trust to be able to do that. And I find that I need to have the conversation to say, this is going to be quite difficult. Like to let the person know we are going to have a different conversation and then to just be able to say where I'm coming from. And that doesn't always work because obviously you're meeting different people at where they at. And so I think that's something that sometimes I get, I get right and sometimes I don't. But what the people around me know is that I'm always going to be okay with having bold and difficult and honest conversations because I feel like if we are honest and we have a communication about something, everything we can work around. It's when we don't do that. And if we have to then, what we, what we identify is the trust that we need to work on. And often those that I trust, I can hear anything from them. 
if I trust you and you tell me something, because I trust you, I'm going to hear what you're saying. I know it's coming from a place of love. I may not like it, but I understand it's going to come from a place of love. So for me, is how do I create that trust? Because I think trust is really, really important when it comes to leadership. Um, and that's, again, it's my learning journey that I'm on. And, and I hope I, I get better at it every year. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a valid point that you made there about building the trust because it doesn't come naturally. People need to kind of understand where you're coming from. And like you said, just, you know, being upfront about it, it's going to be a difficult conversation and then building the trust from there. And like you say, meeting the people where they are at. I think that's really important because meeting each individual where they're at, you, well, basically we can't come with a blanket a blanket script says this is how you have a conversation because everyone's going to be receiving it differently. No. We have I, to... Trust me, it doesn't work. I tried. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. And also, you know, like you spoke about the ego and everything. But equally so, when you're talking to someone, they're going to have their ego. And again, so meeting them where they're at is crucial, isn't it? It is. And I found, I remember earlier on in my leadership journey, I had an interaction with an individual and... I forgot about how the responsibility of, of what I had as a leader. And I, a friend of mine said to me that as a leader, you need to remember that you've got less rights and more responsibilities. And that's always helped me. So I have less rights in regards to when I'm interacting with those that institution, which I, I hold a position of authority or, or a position of, of leadership. And so I need to make sure that I have a responsibility to put them first. Now, that doesn't mean that I allow everybody or anybody just to be able to, to, to treat me or talk to me or be disrespectful or not held accountable. But it does mean that I need to hold my tongue and I need to be able to find a way to navigate a conversation, a situation, a scenario that reminds me that I have a place you know, of responsibility, of authority. And so I need to make sure that I, I put the individual first and just allow them to to be able to to vent to to speak to whatever they need to do to be ready to hear my message because there's no point of me saying what I need to say if I haven't given them that safe space to be able to do that and so creating safe space for other people and holding a space for other people was something I learned to do more of in the last I'd probably say two three years because it's again it's part of the learning the journey that I'm part of and having coaches has enabled me to do that because you don't you know, you don't know that you have to do this, but you have to be told. That's why I think it's really important that we are learning as leaders and having coaches and mentors because that learning is important because you think, oh, I'm going to do it a certain way, but actually there's different ways of doing it. But there are certain things that are expected of you as a leader. And one of those things is to be able to hold space for people when they come <laughs> because you need to be able to allow them because again, I think for me, I, I learned that the hard way because sometimes that's life. It teaches me the hard way. And just talking about uh, the holding the space, I completely agree with you, by the way, that this, this is so important. It goes back to the relationship, safe space and everything. But with the nature of the work that we do, we're rushing around, you know, everyone's busy, everyone's got something to do, everyone's overworked, well, not everyone, but let's, let's generalise here. A lot of people are busy and they've got a lot on their plate. How do you, because holding space, you have to be, you have to have the time to hold the space. I know that sounds like a, you know, ridiculous, but it may sound obvious, but it's hard to do. So how do you hold the space for stuff? Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, simple question. That is a really good question. And again, I'm thinking of the fact that we're talking about motherhood and leadership now. I will always make time to hold space for my children. Thank you. Honestly. And that sometimes means it would come at, it doesn't matter how exhausted I am, how tired I am, how long the day has been. I will always have time to hold space for my child because I know that is something my children need. And that would hold space space for those that I love. And so I think if we think of parallel to leadership and motherhood, then you need to be aware that those you lead we need, to, we need you to do that. And there are times where you're like, I don't have the time now, or can we talk later? Or maybe give yourself a time where the people come and speak to you. But there's things that you naturally do every day, like having an open door policy if you're one of those that have you know, their own office. I'm not lucky enough to have my own office, but I share with lots of other people. But even then, 
walking and you know taking them around there's a, a friend of mine that um, a colleague of mine that used to do this and I, I loved it and I thought oh, but I really like that whenever somebody needed a space you would buy a coffee for them and get them to do laps around the building the school building and just by the time they do a lap to, to, to walk around it's helped them so much and that's holding a space for somebody but just finding being creative about that because that's one of the best ways I saw and I was like I really like that I want to do it um, because I think it's it allows me to get my steps in but also it means that you know the person's out of the building and we're able to have a conversation you don't have to worry about people walking into offices you know if the person can be quite free if they needed to express emotions or you know vent out so I think it's finding creative ways of doing that we're never going to have enough time that's just just a given because of the profession we're in we never have enough time and it's not like I can say Monday afternoon I'm going to block out an hour if you need me I'm there that's just not going to happen I mean, pastoral, it's just something's always happening and something's always kicking off. And that's just the nature of the work that we do. So I think it's about finding that the little moments, like the two, three minutes of saying, are you okay? And you say, right, I, I hear you, I understand you. And you say, come and see me later. And I'm a big hugger. Like, I really believe in a hug. I know some people don't, but I'm a big hugger of just diffusing that person. And people will come up to you. For me, people have come up to me and say, thank you, I really needed that hug. It just... It just stabilized me. I needed that to move on. Just finding ways of you, how would you do it naturally? I think that's, again, that's part of the journey, part of the learning. It's really nice what you said, actually, because as you were talking, I was thinking, really, it's just about being present with the person that comes to you or whatever the situation is. And just the language, just to bring it out, really, what you said, I hear you, I understand you. If somebody is saying that to you instantly, you feel a bit more grounded, you feel a bit more at peace, you feel heard, don't you? If someone's saying that, it just even that, actually, I think if someone actually said that to me, if I was, you know, overwhelmed or stressed or whatever it may be, someone just said, I hear you, I understand you, straight away, I think I would feel the comfort. And the thing is, as well, there are so many people that model doing that for other people. And so... I'm I'm always like what works for me and what works for me as an individual like I think often would work for other people so the people that are that I would go to when I need to you know when I'm feeling overwhelmed that would hold that space for me even saying you know are you okay even noticing the fact that a person might be overwhelmed that's really important because we talk about we talk about well-being at one point in, in our school and we talk about how well-being is really important but those who you lie manage it's important that you look after their well-being and, you know, you're doing those check-ins and you're checking on them. And we're not always going to get it right. I think sometimes we're human beings, we, we could get it wrong. But being conscious that you are responsible for the well-being of those that you like manage, those that you lead, because without that person having, you know, feeling safe, being okay to be able to do their job and having a, an environment where they feel that way or they can, you know, have somebody to go to, have a check and be able to do what they need to do as a human being to move to, to do their job. I think that is very important to remember because without that, we're not going to be the people that we leave are not going to be productive. It's going to have an impact on, on the young people, on other individuals. And obviously we have to be aware that to create cultures where people feel safe and they feel seen and heard and feel like they're okay. Someone's got their back essentially. And when we're thinking about all of the, you know, the strong leadership that you're demonstrating and everything that you're saying, how do you, I know, so, so I know that everything that you're saying is about the leadership in school. And I know that it parallels with the, the motherhood is so clear from, you know, just conversations that we've had and everything. So do you ever, and I, I don't know. So I'm going to ask because I, I can't even hazard a guess as to if you feel this. Do you ever feel feelings of work, like working mum guilt at all? Because I, I'm not going to even say what I think. Do do you? Mm. Okay. So I often, not often actually, it depends. It would kind of come up and rear ugly head every so often for me. And I think I get them at the beginning of whenever I get a promotion and my workload changes or increases or my pattern changes and I'm maybe spending a little bit more time and I haven't got the balance 
or when the balance is off. So one of the times that I felt working mother's guilt for me is when we went back after lockdown to work, went back to school. For me, that was the last time I remember actually feeling it, like really feeling it. And I remember writing a blog about this because I actually just felt it because being at home with, with the children and being there all the time and they're going to work and then everything changing and there was just so much demand on our time and so many changes into the systems and it was just eating up a lot of our time. For me, I felt it. But I remind myself about how I look at my home and I look at my children and I remind remember, I remember myself that I'm doing a great job. And if I don't remind myself and I get in my feelings, as, as, as young people say, then I have, you know, my husband that is there to remind me. Or they would, you know, remind me when, they, you know, when my kids say I love you or great job, mom, or they're proud of me for doing something. Or, you know, I, when I share my successes with them, the love that they show. And it's just, you really look and you think, actually, yes, I'm maybe working X amount of hours, but they're fine. They're doing okay. I'm not lucky for me. I'm not doing this on my own. You know, there are two parents in the household. And and for me, luckily, my husband and I lean on one another. So when he gets that promotion, his time changes, then I take on a little bit more and vice versa. And it's been like that for us for the last 23 years or so. So it's, it's allowed us to do that and to, to work out what's best for our family and our dynamic. Because for me, working part-time was needed. I desperately needed to do that in order to feel like I, I didn't want that guilt. I didn't want that imbalances. But as my children got older and, and everything is settled and we have a routine and there's a structure and, and you know, everything kind of works, then it allowed me to work full time because there was no need for me to be, you know, have those extra couple of days in the week to be able to sort myself out. So yeah, I, I do get it every so often and I kind of need somebody to give me a reality check, even if I don't, if I can't self-coach and give it to myself, somebody else is always there to do it for me. Yeah. And I was just wondering, because like you were saying that you entered into um, teaching late, through these conversations, a lot of the mothers that we've been, the mothers and the leaders that we've been speaking to have been in positions and then had their children. But you actually entered into teaching with your through children. So I was wondering if you... As as a <laughs> sounds a weird term to say an experienced mother, but, but I think you know I can't think of a term for it. But as an um, experienced mother at the time of entering education, do you think that's helped you become better at being able to say no and juggle your work life balance? Would you say? I think I had the confidence to be able to juggle better. I think that that's probably truer for me. I had the confidence to do that. The thing is. I like I had so many different passions and so I never saw motherhood as something that would stop me from pursuing all those passions so I did I did radio I used to do two hours live radio every week like for god knows how many years I did a YouTube channel because I wanted to because I, I wanted to do some work around my community I started an association I'm part of another association I volunteer I hosted so many events. I organized so many events. Like I was doing so much after people said to me, how are you doing all these things? And I think each and every one of them gave me a purpose or fulfilled the purpose that I had, which is giving back, giving back somehow to the communities that I was part of, giving back to, to the society I was part of, making or, you know, being the change that I wanted to see. And because all those little things allowed me to do that, having a voice, sharing my voice, making an impact, and so I, I, I never saw motherhood as something that would stop me from doing that. And so, again, I'm lucky enough to be, I've, I'm from a larger family. My mum and my dad both in the UK growing up. So I have siblings who are older than me. I've got four older sisters. I've got my mum. It was easier for me to have that support system. So, like, you know, everybody around me would support me to help me fulfill that passion. And when I needed to juggle, I did. Now, I'll be honest, there are balls that were dropped at different times, <laughs> but it wasn't like that drastic that I thought, God, I want to give up doing this passion or that passion and this passion. I wanted to start writing and blogging. I did. Whatever I wanted to do, I just pursued. And if it worked, great. If it wasn't manageable, I scaled back. 
but I just kept going back to the things that gave me a sense of purpose. Because for me, all those different things fulfilled different parts of my identity. And also that was really important for me, using my identity, using my identity, being okay with my identity, using my lived experience and having those things that I do centered me, I think, for me as, as a mother and as a leader, because when I feel centered and aligned with the things that I want to achieve and I have a sense of purpose outside of the classroom, which is really important for me, I feel like I do a much better job. And I, and I tell my students that I love doing my job and they think I'm crazy, but because I, I can see the difference in the impact it's making. So, yeah, I think me having children before going into the profession for me gave me the confidence to be a mother and pursue everything else I wanted to. Um, it was never like I need to, you know, stop doing this and being a mother alone. No, because I worked from the age of 15. I always knew I wanted to work. But having that time off to raise my children for five years and reevaluating things and finding out what my purpose was, because that time was beautiful, but it was also a period of loss for me because I felt like I, I needed to find out what I really wanted to do. And I loved working with children. Well, I loved being around my children. And I thought, okay, right, I want to make a difference. And I'm part of a, I'm, I'm Somali. I'm part of a huge community in the, in the borough that I live. And there are all of those who are in need of navigating the systems from, you know, from the students to the parents, to the community, and so giving back and making that navigation easier for me, for me meant that I could, you know, be like, okay, bye, doing something in the evening and I'm going to go do that two hour live show and talk about all these topics, you know, that are impacting my community and getting young people involved and old people involved and having conversations or taking my children for the weekends and say, right, you can help me do this event and doing that because it built on the literature or art or whatever it is in our community, which is needed. So, yeah, no, I think being a mother, I think being a for me, being a mother made me more fearless, I think. I was fearlessly pursuing what I wanted to do because I want to create a world, a society that I want my children to thrive in. So if I see a gap, something I can do, you know, that was needed, and representation is one of those things that I noticed. That's why I did the YouTube channel and interviewed people in my community who were doing very well because my students would have to say to me, oh, I've never met a, you know, a Somali director. And I'd say, oh, God, I, I know one. I'm, I'm, I know one. And they'd say they wouldn't believe me. And I'd be like, okay, fine, get that person in. And they'd say, oh, I've never met an author. And I'd be like, okay, no, I know people. Then I'd get that person into the school. So I would just be relentless about, you know, finding finding ways to show that representation and make a difference. And at times it was within my school. And when I couldn't do it within my school, I did it within my community. Mm. And, uh, you know, throughout everything that you've just said, I can see that the community is a value of yours. I mean, it's just, it sounds silly me saying it back, but, you know, just to say it back to you, community is strong in your leadership. It is. You Relationships, know. community, yes, for me. Yes. Yeah, clearly, because that that's what feeds your leadership in school. It's like you bring the outside into your leadership. I, I, I don't, I cannot remember, even when I first entered education, I entered as a TA because... Again, I wasn't, it took me a while to navigate to where I wanted to be. And so I, I was, after my volunteering, I worked a couple of years as a TA. Even being a TA at, at that time, which, you know, gave me the space and the time to be able to do those things, to make connections, to network, to use the skills that I had and use my personality and use, use all of the things that God has given me naturally or I've developed over the years to be able to make a difference within the community I always work in institution where we live it doesn't really matter I just I don't know I have this great sense of being part of something contributing to something so that's always been it's always fuels me if I tell my children I'm doing something tomorrow or my husband or my siblings or whoever they will not bat an eyelid because they know they know I'm always going to go after another project or another something if it means fueling my community or for the betterment of whether it's women young children whatever it is because that's also for the betterment of me to be fair um it's yeah it's 
it's not it's not just for them. I'm doing it for myself also. There is definitely a selfish element because it makes me a better person. Yeah, you're real quite a warrior of a leader, I would say. Really. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. I don't know. I think just things we just do, honestly. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm I have to give a hand a hats off to my mom. You know, the matriarch of our family. I watched her do so much. I didn't really register it until I got older, until I had my own children. Then I I don't know how you managed to come to a country with eight young children, didn't speak the language, didn't know anything about the systems, but has managed to just find a way for all of us to, you know, strive, but not strive, but also thrive, and which all of us have, you know, successful whether it's career or family is just doing so well. And I think, God, if my mom can do it, uh, you know, I, I can definitely do it. Knowing the support systems there is out there for me to reach and use. And my, yeah, my mom's definitely has led the way all the way through. So, yeah, I always say my mom can do it. She did it with this, 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 this. Oh, I, I can do that as well. Absolutely. And I think the point that you made about as an immigrant, your mum being an immigrant coming here, what people fail to kind of highlight there or or maybe just don't know is that that obviously takes a lot of courage, but the decisions that have to be made and the decisions, the important decisions and how they can change an outcome completely. So, you know, you had that amazing model from your mum and as you get older, you see that for yourself. And I'm just wondering what has been the most significant decision that you've made as a leader in your journey? Because we do them all of the time, but they're quite crucial. So if it just reflects, like, what, what, what's a significant decision that you've made as a leader? Significant decision in regards to me being a better leader or a significant decision in regards to how? What do you? Anything really that's had a, so a, so a decision that you've made that has become significant for you to develop as a leader. Um, I think for me, one that I made for myself was to find a coach. Uh, I think for me, something that I did for myself was to find a coach. I I was at well, different parts of my career with the different with different challenges that I faced. I was not as self-reflective or I was not aware of the challenges that that I was facing were sometimes not to do with me sometimes institutional, sometimes it's societal. And it, I, I wasn't aware of that. So I remember thinking of looking at other people and thinking, oh God, this person's done this in this number of years or they've done, you know, their journey is this way. And, you know, my journey is this way. And I think being able to recognize and think my own journey is my own journey. And I have a hand in how that journey looks like and what it looks like. And certain times I can't control. And so the one thing I, I did for me, which which has made a massive impact in, in how I lead and the type of leader I am was having a coach, getting a coach for me. And it's not like through school, but me sourcing and looking for a coach for myself and being actively seeking out spaces where coaching is taking place, where there's group coaching, one-to-one, where I, I can really truly immerse in the journey of what I'm trying to achieve and really self-reflect and really question my intention and what I want to do, how I want to improve. And to be able to do that, I think for me, if anyone is starting the leadership journey now, I would say, and I know Diana does this all the time and she tells us all the time and says that leadership is not something you do on your own. And I know many, many people who say this, many, many women, women leaders who have come before us say this all the time, don't do it on your own. And I didn't really hear that until I was in those spaces. But it would be really good if people are told that all the time. Don't do leadership on your own. And for me, that has made the most massive impact. Like, I learned so much that I can self-coach myself in a lot of situations, which I didn't have those skills a few years ago. But that's only because, you know, that, that 
the the coaches that I've had has enabled me to do that. And I think every leader, and I know a lot of schools are now doing this, they are investing in coaching, which is really, really good. But for me, I just think getting a coach outside of the school context has had the most impact in my leadership. That's the decision that has made a massive impact on my leadership journey. Mm. And so it goes back to what you said about investing in yourself, taking time to invest in yourself for your own learning is making a huge difference. Yeah, because people often say, oh, how do you have time to do this? I'm like, trust me, it's going to pay dividend. Do it. Take an hour out for yourself a week to have that one-to-one coaching. It's going to, it's going to make, it's going to be so transformational. You'd be like, oh my God, a year ago, I can't believe I was worried about this or I didn't have the skills or strategies to be able to do this. And now, because what we're doing is once we learn, you know, we're mothers and I think everybody does this, but I'm just going to say, because we're mothers, we're women, we always pass that on. You know, it's, we naturally do this. I think as women, we pass that information on, we give it away for free. We give away the power. We give away the information. We give away the skills and we're passing it on to the next person and we're passing it on. And like, and it's great to have places like, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn and all of that where you're always getting, for me, I always get DMs by young women. It's particularly young Somali teachers always asking for advice and guidance. And it's just like a few years ago, the advice I would have given, it's no way in comparison is, is, is more, for me, more enriching and more valuable and more spot on now because of the experiences and the coaching that I've had. And I think that's really, really important because somebody else has given us, shown us the path and supported us. And to be able to do that, I think it's, we owe ourselves to be able to invest some time on, on, on ourselves. And that's what we're talking about, that learning that we're talking about. We need to be open to learning. We have to be open to learning. And, you know, so all through all of this and everything, you've kind of given the advice through that answer. I was just wondering then, so you, you did mention um, Diana, who who else? Who who inspires you? Uh, I love Angie Brown. She is probably for me one of you know one of the most amazing coaches out there that I've worked with. And if you ever have the chance to be able to 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 just go on you know LinkedIn and look at the women I've mentioned, have a look at their whether it's their LinkedIn or Twitter, and just look at the programs or the courses that they do or any events that they put on, you'd be able to see, you know, the, the type of difference that they're making to every woman that they've had the opportunity to work with. And for me, I've been lucky enough to be in a lot of spaces where w- women like Angie and, and Diana and Hannah Wilson, like women like that have been able to hold spaces for someone like me. And, and and I've actively seek those spaces, but it's just allowed me to, to to come more into to who I am and who I want to be and the type of woman I want to be, the type of leader I want to be. So, yeah, that's some in terms of the education context. But I've also worked with amazing head teachers, you know, deputy heads who have been my champions, my role model who have been the sponsors that allowed me to, you know, not allowed me, but has, has sort of played a crucial part in getting those promotions and being given the opportunities because somebody has to be there. Somebody has to see your potential and somebody has to, you know, be able to say, right, I, I can see the journey you're going through. I, I want to walk beside you. I want to help you. I want to do that. And I've been lucky enough to work with so many men and women leaders who have, have done that for me. And I think, yeah, that again, that gives me that I want to do that for someone else. Like, I want to be able to do that for someone else because throughout every part of my journey, there is always one or two people that I can name, I can see clearly that has made, you know, that shift that's allowed me to make that shift or cha- change or improvement or allow me to give me the the space to do what I wanted to do and the encouragement that I needed. And I, I want to do that for somebody else. Mm, absolutely that, that, that circle that circle there giving back and as we kind of come to the end I wondered if there was anything that you feel that you haven't said so we're rounding up the series now that you really do want to share with mothers out there just to give them a bit of encouragement 
I really would like to say, I think one of the things I like to say is lean in to your, lean into your support systems because I don't know about different communities or different cultures or different, I don't know, contexts that people are in. But what I find in within my own community or my own culture, there's this there's this emphasis put on being able to be a strong woman who's able to do this and that and, you know, hold her own. And I think that's been empowering to some respect, but it also has been quite detrimental and damaging because nobody does anything on their own and you don't have to be strong all the time. And so for me, for mothers, I would say lean into all the support systems that you have. If you have a partner or a husband or lean into that, your family members, your friends, your neighbors, whoever is there, your colleagues, your adopted family or your chosen family, whoever they are, to lean in those support systems and because there is no way we can do anything on our own. Yes, it might be sometimes, not sometimes, we will always juggle. Yes, that time is going to be challenging, but is doable. We're always going to be juggling. We're always going to be, you know, it's always going to be that juggle, yes, and but it's doable. It's really, really doable. Use all the systems, lean into everybody. It's possible. I think we shouldn't, there shouldn't be sort of this question around, you know, should you leadership and motherhood? I think motherhood is leadership. And so you're doing it every day. You're just going to do it in an institution. And so what you often do for your family, your children, to be fair, it's what we often do for older people, human beings that we lead. And, and I think if we frame it that way, people will be like, for me, when I frame it that way, I'd be like, yeah, actually, I am. When I come through that door, I lead. The minute, you know, everything I do in this family is, is leadership. And so it lends itself to what I do as a, as a leader in, in, a, in a community, in a school, because I don't, I don't know, I do say motherhood is leadership. Leadership is motherhood. Motherhood is leadership, whatever which way. Yeah, yeah, it's both ways, isn't it? Really. Yeah, definitely both ways. And the guilt, you know, don't don't worry about. Not worry. You are going to get mother's guilt because it's. I don't know. I think it's not everyone gets it. Maybe, and some people once they understand it, they don't get it as often. But for me, most women I speak to, there is a lingering of, of working mother's guilt here and there. And I think if we just think, okay, well, it's part of being a mom, which is really weird because I know my husband doesn't get a working dad's guilt. <laughs> I'm like, he definitely don't get that. Same thing is when I think society has, has a lot to play with that because people ask me and say to me, oh, how do you do this, you know, with four people? four children and it's like the number of children by the way is really important because everyone makes an emphasis of four always um, and I'm like tell my husband I always get this do you get it it's like no no one's ever asked me that and I, and I think society has a lot to play with us having that mother's guilt and so for me I just think I'm, I'm always going to want to do better there are days I'm going to feel it there are times I'm going to feel it and it's just like it's okay you're doing a great job talk myself out of it if I can if not talk to somebody else and somebody else will always talk me out of it but yeah, that's what I would say. I'd say you're a leader every day. Yeah, so the motherhood and leadership. And so motherhood is leadership and leadership. Motherhood is definitely leadership. Mm-hmm. 110%. Fantastic. So that's, I think you've answered the question. I think you've rounded up our whole discussion over the past, you know, nine episodes about motherhood and leadership, leadership and motherhood, why it's important, the struggles, the values, the support systems and why it's important. And I think, Bar, you've really offered and been so authentic in your answers and being quite honest. And what's coming through is the strong value of community. So speaking about community and connections, I was wondering how our listeners could connect with you online. I use my I use my Twitter account. So I am on Twitter as at Bar Nomad. Follow me there. And I think I've got a, a link to my blog on there. So if you want to have a look, I haven't written for a while. That's something else. I've got so many saved, incompleted blogs, but 
again I'll get around to it I'm never going to stop doing that but yeah you can follow me on there and you know send me a message if you want to have a conversation my DMs always open often have conversations with with different people there and Twitter has been an amazing part of this leadership journey because I've met so many amazing women men um, people on there and so yeah that's if you'd like to connect that's where I'd be and we end with the three deep dive statements and the random question so (laughs) (laughs) leadership and motherhood is one the same thing it's the same thing Mm. what I'm still learning is to continue to be open and embrace the the journey that I'm on the, the ups and the downs and be okay with it mm. and we spoke about this before my leadership legacy will be it would be to be a good ancestor my leadership journey is going to be to be a good ancestor to those in my community, those in my family, those in my people that I work with, the community I'm, I'm part of. It's hopefully one where I make a difference and allow other people's journeys and navigation through the system, the society to be easier. And it will be one where I make the, where I am, the changes I want to see. So powerful. And then the last question, very random. What value or belief would you give as a gift to the education secretary? What value or belief? To the education secretary, value, I don't know if it's a value but or gift, it'd be to trust. Trust teachers to do what they can do. Trust us to be able to do our job. Trust this profession to be led and run by people who have the skills and the experience, the professionals, the teachers. Trust us to be able to do what, we're, what we know we can do and we do every day so well. What a fantastic way to end the series. Thank you so much for your time, for your wise words. And it's wisdom. That's what I'm going to say. Thank you for your wisdom, Bar. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely fantastic I loved it so like having talked to a friend I do have my coffee well I don't have a coffee I've got tea in front of me so this has been amazing thank you for having me and it's nice to be able to deep 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 a little bit and have a conversation about things that you know are important and motherhood and leadership is definitely important thank you it so is and I think more conversations need to be around it to be honest just the link and the parallels that we're demonstrating effortlessly need to be made explicit so thank you thank you for having me what a way to end the motherhood and leadership series Bar has truly illustrated her value systems the importance of coaching and its role in personal growth was explored one of the main points Bar highlighted are the famous words of Diana Osagi do not do leadership on your own this is true and really this extends to motherhood We are designed as humans to connect. We should lean on and reach out to others for support. As educators, our pupils need us. As mothers or parents, our children need us. They need us in our best light. Bar, as well as the other amazing leaders and mothers, have highlighted the parallels between motherhood and leadership. We juggle, we thrive, we learn, we flow. We may suffer, but we continue to grow. Leadership is more than a title. It is owning the responsibility for others. Leaders serve. So I'll end this series with a quote that resonates with me from Michelle Obama. If there's one thing I've learned in life, it's the power of using your voice. I've tried my best to speak the truth and shed light on the stories of people who are often brushed aside. And I hope that this series has done that. We've heard from nine amazing women who are mothers, leaders, they've shared their journeys with us. And I hope that through hearing their stories and through listening to their voices and the power that just speaking up and you know saying yes or whether it's voicing your opinions or having those difficult conversations, I hope that through their stories, you can continue to grow on your journey too. 
If you've really enjoyed this series, I do ask that you just share it with people, comment on Twitter or LinkedIn or the various things that you can see in the show notes. And I will be back with a new series soon. And thanks once again to Teach First Networks for sponsoring all nine episodes of the Motherhood and Leadership series. To find out details about other networks, just head over to www.teachfirst.org.uk slash networks. Thanks for listening. Remember, there is power in your voice and it all starts with a conversation. 